Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Yes, we should clap. Isn't that a powerful song? Oh my gosh, it reminds me of a book I read many years ago. Probably had one of the longest titles ever for a book. And it was called, God Has Never Failed Me, But He Scared Me to Death a Number of Times. How many of you have been through that book before at various points? Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a dream for something new to happen in your life? Something new maybe to happen in your marriage or in your family? Maybe you had a dream for something new to happen with your kids or with your parents. Maybe you had something new you've been dreaming for related to a job or a career. Maybe you've had a dream for something new happening in your faith. And initially that dream was vivid, it was inspiring, it was motivating, but all of a sudden, you hit a rough patch, then you hit another one, and you started going through difficulties, and it made you think, I don't know if this dream is attainable. Shouldn't it be easier than this? Shouldn't there be a straight line from point A to point B in my life? What's up with all these ups and downs in our lives? Every one of us have experienced that, and we're going to see that today in God's Word, where He's going to kind of guide us through what it looks like when we're having those kinds of experiences, and where we can come out on the other end of it all. Last year, I had a vivid dream. <laughs> I, was, I'm a, I love to backpack. I love to uh, hike, uh, get out in the mountains, and done that on various occasions over the years. And so I had a dream one day I would love to backpack in Montana. And so one of my sons, uh, Joe, who attends this church, and his uh, uh, son, uh, Miles, who's my, one of my grandsons, they both asked me if I'd come along on a five-day backpacking trip with them in the backcountry of Yellowstone there in Montana. I was like, yes, I would. You know, let me pray about it. Yes, God said yes, okay. And I was all over. And immediately I began dreaming, thinking I could visualize it. So the next couple of months I began to train and I had some rough spots in my training, but I persevered through all of that. And the day came when we flew out up there to uh, Jackson Hole. And the next morning we got up, I was just giddy with excitement over what this was going to look like. Here's a picture of us kind of at the entrance of the the park and uh, before we're going to go in. But you know, what we did was we went aside and we put together, uh, began to gather all of our gear. And I knew that our backpacks were going to be heavy. I was used to carrying 35 pounds on my back on the Appalachian Trail. I went, this will be no problem. Well, once we got all of our gear packed, our packs were weighing about 48 pounds. I put that baby on. I went, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. Okay? And so but I thought, no, come on. You can do this. You can do this. And you don't want to look weaker than your 13-year-old grandson either, okay? So anyway, we get out there, and we, we start to, uh, to hike, and we've got a guide with us. We've got a couple other people. Here's us. We're about to take off on the hike. And again, all I can visualize in that moment 
is how wonderful this is going to be to be in my favorite church, my favorite sanctuary in the outdoors there. And so we started off, and the first 30 minutes, I'm like, this is awesome. An hour later, this is horrible. I mean, the weight of the pack, several hours later, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. We still have five days to go, okay? So we just persevered the next number of hours, you know, we kept going after it, going after it, and all of a sudden, it started raining. And then within an hour or so, the mother of all storms blew in. By this time, it's pitch black, and we pull up in the camp. When I say pull up, I don't mean in a car, okay? We kind of walked up into this very dark spot, and the first tent we put up, the wind blew the tent away into the forest. And at that point, I wanted my mother, okay? <laughs> my mother's been dead for 12 or 13 years, but I wanted my mother at that point in time, okay? So that's how courageous I was feeling. We got up the next morning. I went, okay, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. And our guide said, see that mountain up there? It's 10,300 feet. We're going to bag the summit of that today. We're going to climb up there. And I'm inspired. I got a dream again. I'm like, yes, I've, I've never been up that high. I've never bagged a 10,000 foot summit. Let's go for it. So we start up there. The first hour or so, I'm like in glory land, okay? But then a couple of hours into it, Miles would turn around, my 13-year-old son, he'd turn around and he would go, gee, daddy, you're okay, because I'm back there. <laughs> I'm like, bury me under the next tree that we get to. I mean, I, it was, I didn't know if I could make it, but eventually we got up to the top of the mountain and here's what it looked like. I'm like, man, this was worth it. It was absolutely stunning. It was worth all the hardships getting up there. And then later on, we got back down and camped again. Got up the third day, the third day I went, oh, this is going to be so much easier now. I know we've got the hard parts behind us. And then it started raining again. Eventually it started hailing. And then our guide stopped at one point, and she looked down the trail. She reminded us that we were in the middle of grizzly country. There are more grizzes there in Yellowstone, that part of the back country, than anywhere in the world. That was a great reminder on the third day. She looks down and she points out a paw print that looked the size of Shaq's shoes plus, okay? I had never seen a footprint that big. And she went, there's a grizz on this trail. Look, this is a very fresh track, and so he's somewhere around here. At this point, we're on a trail where we have grass coming up this high next to us. It's a very narrow trail, so you can't really see around you. So she said, we need to make lots of noises. I'm like, I want my mother. I mean, that's the, I make lots of noises. Yeah. So she said, just say, let's just start screaming, hey, bear. So we're walking along, you know, hey, bear. And eventually, you know, Joe and Miles, myself, we start singing, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. My, 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 what a bearable day. I mean, it's kind of what we were thinking. We were just trying to scream out the top of our lungs. And obviously, we made it. But I got to tell you, in the midst of the trip, there were so many times I wanted to quit. I really wanted to quit. It was that hard, and it was that difficult. But that is like our lives, is it not? God uses the ups and downs of our lives. I actually believe that one of the most important spiritual practices for those of us that are Christ followers is to engage in God-inspired dreams. 
And when I talk about dreams, I'm not talking about the kind of where you go to bed at night and then you wake up the next morning and go, oh yeah, I had this dream. But I'm talking about a dream that has to do with where God installs in you a desire that won't go away. Where God gives you a promise of something that would make your today look very different tomorrow. That kind of God-inspired dream. I want us to turn our Bibles over to Jeremiah 29. And we're going to see how this tends to play out in the nation of Israel, how it tends to play out in our own lives. Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, if you've been around church very long over the years, you have heard this verse. It's probably one of your favorite verses. If you've ever been to a Christian store called Hobby Lobby, there are lots of plaques with this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. When you read that on a plaque, you go, Oh, that's so inspiring. That's so awesome. Isn't that cute? Isn't that wonderful? But listen, this was not written as a plaque in Hobby Lobby. This actual verse was written when Israel was going through the most difficult, challenging time in its entire history. That's the context in which it's written. They had been living in their promised land, in their dreamland, in Jerusalem, there in the heart of Israel. But what's happened is the Babylonians have come in. They've captured 10,000 people, taken them captive, and taken them over to Babylon. Babylon is current day is about 50 miles south of modern-day Baghdad. So that's kind of a context. So these people have been removed from their homeland. They've been stripped of relationships with friends and family members and things like this. This is the darkest moment of their life when God says this important word to them here in verse 11. All of a sudden that verse means something different to me. In the midst of this darkest moment, he said, I got a plan for you. I got a hope. I got a dream for you. Just trust me with what I want to do with all of this. You and I need to understand that the darkest moments over in the Old Testament were the moments when God's people were held captive. The darkest moments in the Old Testament were when they were in exile. You know what exile is? Exile is where dreams go to die. You ever been in exile before? I bet you have. Where you've been in exile related to maybe some part of your family. You've been in exile maybe related to some friends you've had. You've been in exile perhaps with a church in the past. I've experienced all those. Those are some of the worst, darkest moments when you're in exile, right? Where you've had a lot of dreams for your life, but now that you're in exile, those dreams quickly, quickly die. So right at the lowest point, God comes along and says the most unusual thing in the world. Here are a couple of things I see out of this passage. First of all, God dreams face reality. They don't deny reality. God dreams start exactly where we are in the nasty now and now of our lives doesn't live in ignorance of how hard it is. God kind of walks through this progression. God begins in love with us, then moves us to hope, then he moves us to faith. You know what love is? Love is actually when you love something or someone for what it is, not what it can be. You love it in its current condition. God loves you and I at the lowest point in our lives. That's important to know. You, why would God love us at the lowest point? Because God loves the fact he knows he can take the worst crap in our lives and turn it into the most potent fertilizer. All in favor of that, say aye. 
I mean, that's true. Haven't you seen that before in your own life, in your own history, in your own experience? So what God does, God loves what is. And as you and I are loved for what is within our current circumstances, not our future ones, then all of a sudden hope begins to, hope begins to arise again when we're loved like that. And then eventually that hope gives way to faith, right? Romans 10 says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So all of a sudden we begin to hear fresh promises. We begin to get a fresh activated dream that God's had for us all along that he's never given up on. That's a significant thing. See, this whole progression is what God uses with Israel and he's what he uses in our lives. Go on to verse 8 to 10. It says, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Don't let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what he says. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So for Israel, God was saying, listen, I'm not still back there in Jerusalem. I'm right here where you are in this nasty now and now. This is important. I have a dream for you, but you are right here at this moment in time. He says, but don't listen to the false prophets. You know what the false prophets were saying? They were telling God's people, you know what? In a short period of time, you're going to be out of here. We're going to be out of here. In a short period of time, we're going to get back to Jerusalem. And God steps in, and the very one that could have changed that reality goes, no, no, no. They're lying to you. They're deceiving you. You're going to be here for a while. We're going to be here for a while. But don't worry. There's a plan behind all of this. You, you have false prophets that show up and speak to you every day, just like I do. They, false prophets show up in my inbox each day. False prophets show up in my social media channels where they go, in 90 days, you can be wealthier than beyond your imagination. If all you'll do is pay me $5,000 for my newest online course, I will make you rich in 90 days. Or you can have the perfect body in 90 days. All you have to do is to uh, take this product and consume it. The product will only cost you $1,500 every two weeks, and it'll give you the perfect body. Yet what we know about life is life is not that simple, and it's not that quick to the substantial issues in our lives. Is that true or is that false? So God goes, you know what? You got these false prophets just like you and I do. He says, don't listen to them. Something else I'm going to unveil for you. There was a guy I uh, came across many years ago by the name of Admiral Stocksdale. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was during the Vietnam era. He was the highest ranking naval officer to be shot down. It was right over Hanoi. He got shot down in his plane. He was taken captive, and so he became a POW. For seven and a half years, he was in this POW camp with a number of other American prisoners. He describes in his story the torture that he had to endure, the beatings he had to endure. If you ever want to see, hear something that just makes your head swim, you can go back and read some of his accounts. At the end of it, he gets released seven and a half years later, you can imagine everyone wants to know the typical questions like, how did you make it? How did you make it, Admiral Stockdale? He said, here's how I did it. He said, I, first of all, I faced the brutal facts of where we were and that we were going to be there for a while. And at the same time, I retained hope that in the end, 
we would prevail and we would be released and it would be the defining moment of my life. And then they asked him what I think was the more important question. They went, who didn't make it? Amongst the prisoners of war, who didn't make it? He said, the optimist. Those that kept saying, by Thanksgiving, we're going to be out of here. Thanksgiving would come and go. We're going to be out here by Christmas. Christmas would come and go. He said they would go through several cycles of that. And then they would take their own life because they had no hope. What they were doing was they were refusing to face the brutal facts. And then he made this very, very significant statement. He said, you have to be able to look at the brutal facts while having a deep belief that in the end, you will win. Here would be my articulation of this that I've read to David Lovelace multiple times. God dreams actually start with facing the brutal facts, but it does so with love, hope, and faith that in the end, we will win, God helping us. All in favor of that, say aye. That's that's a part of our life drill that can take us from where we are to where we need to go next. Another thing I see here in this passage is that God dreams, they not only don't deny reality, they actually work through reality. They don't try to escape reality. Here in this passage, he describes attention in their life. On one hand, God has this dream for them called Jerusalem. Check this out. On the other hand, God has a plan for them called Babylon. How's that even possible? There is real tension in that. He says, here's where I'm taking you, but here's where you are right now. I've got a plan for you right now in the nasty now now of what you're going through. Look there in verses 4 to 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, we could spend an hour right there with that that I carried into. Uh, Here's what I want you to do. I've got a plan for you. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens. I want you to eat what they produce. I want you to marry and have sons and daughters. I want you to find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. I want you to increase in number. I don't want you to decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. God's going, you know, this... This pagan place called Babylon, I actually want you to pray for the peace and the prosperity of it because I've got a plan for them just like I have a plan for you. But as they prosper, you will prosper as well. And he finishes this. He says, pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, then you too will prosper. Have you ever felt caught before between the Jerusalem of your life and the Babylon of your life? Have you ever felt caught before in the dream of where you believe God wants to take you next, but at the same time you feel stuck in your current reality. This is what God's saying. Um, There have been other times when I've come here and I've shared messages with you, and I've shared with you before about how many, many years ago, how our life fell apart. And I've gone into great detail in the past about that. And how, you know, our marriage, our family, and the ministry God gave us, we just, the whole thing fell apart because of some decisions that I made. It was hard. It was brutal. We lost most everything that was near and dear and important to us. And it looked like there was no hope. But Crone, my wife, she had this love, faith, and hope around that God could resurrect our lives no matter what. 
And she and I began engaging in a whole new process before. And every couple of months, I would feel encouraged. She would feel encouraged. Like, you know what? Finally, we can begin to see some light again. Then we'd go through a very dark valley again. We went through so many ups and downs the next several years. I would have given anything for a short beeline from A to B. And yet, what it was, our journey was all over the map like that. I think you've probably had some similar incidents as yourself. But God doesn't use a straight line. He uses the ups and downs of our lives to make us into the kind of people who can then handle the dream he has for us next. There was a junior high physics teacher I came across a couple of years ago, Bruce Yearney, and he was trying to demonstrate for his students um, about some of the laws of physics that has to do with potential energy and kinetic uh, energy. And so what he did was he built these two simple tracks and one on top, one uh, below it. And all it was, simple experiment, you have a steel ball, you roll it on this aluminum track, and then the, the top track was like a straight line. The bottom track had these ups and downs like that. Actually, the bottom track is seven inches longer than the top track. Now, you would think that the ball on the top track with a straight line going there and coming back would be the one that would win. But actually, the experiment turned out different than that. All right, so our track's becoming a little bit more complicated. Now it's got two humps to go over. Uh, it's having to travel a little bit further up and down. Uh, let's see if that's going to be enough to slow the ball down so that the race is going to be equal. When that's repeated many times over, the ball at the bottom wins like miles away. It's exactly the opposite of the way you would think it would be. When I first saw this, I thought, wait, that's God's pattern in the universe. Nothing goes in a straight line. Atoms go in circles, planets, our own lives. It's all over the map. Is that true? Yes. That's a part of God's pattern that he was just demonstrating right there. So while you and I yearn for a straight line to point A to point B, the quickest route there is usually not the best route for us. And someone apparently with a higher pay grade than you and I in life knows that very thing, and he wants to use those very things to get us to the very place where he wants to take us next. So you and I need to go, okay, God's got a dream for me called Jerusalem, but he's got a plan for me. It's called Babylon. I want to be able to navigate these ups and downs and trust that he knows what the heck he's doing in all this. I mean, that's how this church came about. As Chris mentioned a while ago, uh, he and I and a few others sat in a conference room years ago, six years ago, and started dreaming of where God wanted us to go next as a church of First Orlando. And God gave us finally a dream for this place right here. I tell you, the next several years were hard. Many of you that were around in those early days, we had to move around. Uh, we had a, a small thing called a virus that came along at uh, the worst time, and it was hard. We've been through lots of ups and downs. These days, it feels like we're in a straight line, and yet this morning as I drove here, as I came off the 429, and there at Schofield Road in 429, I looked over to the right, at a fantastic piece of property of 13 acres that we just purchased a few months ago. 
for cash. God did a massive miracle to make that happen. And so I was able to dream and further envision. In fact, isn't that great? Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> and just a few days ago, I was with a small group of people and we're beginning to work on the design of all that. We know we've got to go through a design phase. We know we have to go through pulling permits. Then we have to raise a couple of dollars to actually make all of that happen. And you know what? Even with all of our dreams, there are going to be some ups and downs that we're not even anticipating now. But it'll be well, well worth it. Because whatever is there, God comes with it. And God wants to shape us into the kind of men and women and kids that are going to be able to handle the dream that he has for us ultimately down the road. The last thing I see here in this passage is that God, God dreams then become reality. They don't leave you stuck in reality. That's what brings us back to Hobby Lobby. For I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, Israel's history proves this to be true. Seventy years later, God delivers his people and takes them, ushers them back into Jerusalem, back into the promised land again. God did alter their reality according to his plan that he had for them. Meanwhile, we have store, other stories in the Old Testament, stories of Daniel, stories of Esther. They were right there in the middle of that same exile where they prospered, where their lives were fulfilling, where their lives were fruitful, even when they weren't in what they thought was the very best of what God had for them. God still prospered them right there in Babylon. You do realize, don't you? that God has a unique dream for your life that he's never, ever, ever given up on. Ephesians 2.10 puts it like this. Paul was writing to his spiritual son one day and, and addresses it like this. He said, for we are God's handiwork. The, the original language there is we are God's poema. We are God's work of art. We are God's unique masterpiece. See, while God has a plan and a purpose for all of us, that we hold in common, God also has a unique plan for each one of our lives. And he says, we've been created in Christ Jesus, created for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm telling you, God, from the very beginning of time, has had a dream for your life that he's never, ever given up on. I don't care what kind of failure you've experienced. I don't care how other people may have failed you that's adversely impacted your life. There is nobody, there is nothing in the universe that has the ability to break through and not allow the dream of God to happen in your life. Can you receive that? Nothing and no one. So the fifth day of our hike, we came up over this ridge, this mountain, and I saw we were going to have to cross the river, but then I saw the promised land on the other side of the river. It was a parking lot that had actual cars in it. <laughs> I hadn't seen civilization for five days. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then Joe and Miles and myself, we just rejoice. I think we have a picture of us rejoicing together right here. And we were like, no, wait a minute, that's the wrong picture. That, that's us on the way back. Before that picture was taken, I wish you could see that one. We looked at each other, 
and the joy, the pleasure, the fulfillment, the memories of it all were so rich. But you know what half of that joy was? Half of that joy had to do with the difficulties we had gone through and the things we had learned from it, the things we gained from it. And we were like, the whole thing was worth it. Now that I'm on the other side of it, the whole thing's worth it. I'd do it again. I told you about when we lost most everything dear to us many years ago and our lives fell apart. All the things we had to go through for God to reshape us, remake us, resurrect us, restore what had been lost and stolen. You know, just earlier this weekend, Corona and I sat on our porch having coffee one morning. And we laughed. We also cried. Looking back, we wake up most every day amazed by the profound goodness that emerged out of the hell of our lives. And going, look at what God has done. We would wish our lives actually on anyone, the quality of life that God's given us. But it's because there is a dream. However, there is a plan. King David puts it like this. He says, Lord, in the book of Psalms, he says, you have placed a light just in front of my next steps. I'd rather have light that shows me the way for the next year, for the next 10 years. Anyone else in here like me or you're more holy than I am? That's why I'd like, but actually the way God works is just enough light to take my next couple of steps and then new light further emerges. I take those steps. And I have no idea how it's going to go like that. I have no idea how it's going to go like that. But what I do know is God has a dream for me that he's never, ever, ever given up on. And the same thing is true for you. That's why he brought you here today. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, will you please come right now and breathe new life into the dreams that have been dying in the hearts and minds of so many that are here today. I ask that you would reactivate, help them reimagine that there's not been so much water on the proverbial bridge that can prevent you from still doing what you've not given up on. And the Lord, I ask that you show them just what are their next couple of simple steps they need to take in partnership and relationship with you. And the Lord, we're going to step back in amazement and ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Lord, we believe that there's coming a day where we're going to step back and have nothing but awe and wonder at what you've pulled off in our lives and all the various elements that you've used to make us into who you've dreamt us to be. So we welcome that 
and we receive that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.